Thanks, Dorothy. Dorothy is like, like our poster child. <laughs> so it's, it's funny, like when, when we're like, God's doing great things. There's this girl named Dorothy. <laughs> so, um, but here, here's, the, here's the honest truth. I got a text this week. It was a forward. For, um, somebody sent Amelia a text, and it was like a prayer request, or, hey, can you pray for this person? Can, there's a situation, and um, my, my Fitbit's telling me it's time to do something. I just got this for Father's Day. I'm pretty excited. Preach. Time to preach. Just get on with it, Tom. <laughs> but the, the text said something like, hey, I'm, I'm sending you this. Can you, you know, be praying for this person? There's a person in need. And I'm sending it to you because I know your church is a serving church. And, and I, my, I'm excited about that. That's a great thing. And it's, it's you guys. The funny thing is we don't, we don't schedule outreaches. We don't like put on the calendar that we're going to do our, our annual outreach in July. We just say, go be Jesus outside these walls. What just took place in here needs to happen, our worship outside. And you guys are doing it. And so, you know, Dorothy's situation includes my wife, Joe and Amelia, kind of. But everybody has, has fed into Dorothy's life, have given into Dorothy's life through Christmas stuff and different things. Um, when we were driving her up and back in hotels, we were using church money to take her. I mean, I hope that's okay to say, but I mean, the, you guys giving into the offering, you know, we, we set aside money to, to serve our community and serve people in our community. So, so the trophy that I, I say, here's a life that's changed because God told us to be a church here in Warsaw. It, all of us get to say that's Dorothy's, somebody that God allowed us to come into life with and be a part of. And, and, you know, we're getting these, you guys are this serving church. We're not, we're not scheduling anything. So that tells me that you guys are out in your, in the community serving and loving people. And it just happens to look good about our church because you guys come to our church, but just, I mean, it doesn't matter that it's a branches that we're connected. It matters that you guys are, are doing the stuff out in this world. So that's, that's just awesome. So, um, I'm supposed to re, give this um, announcement that this Wednesday night is roller skating. Here's the thing with roller skating. They will not allow us to bring food inside. So feed your families before you come. It's two bucks for your kid to, um, or you, to have um, roller skates. The church is paying for the rental of the building for the night, and they do have food and all that. And if you don't want to skate, just come, because a lot of people will just want to hang out. There's video games. There's all kinds of fun stuff outside of skating. But if you think you could keep up with me, backwards. I mean, I, I grew up in the 80s. I know how to roller skate, so let's move on. We've lived in Indiana for 14 years almost, and people still ask me this question, why did you move from beautiful Southern California to Indiana? Why? And my answer is, you've never been to California, have you? You know, because you have this picture that California is this, you know, everybody's on the beach, everybody's tan and surfing, or you're in the mountains skiing. The problem is, from the beach to the mountains, there's this big, vast cement land called Southern California. And when you fly into Southern California, I, I, 
always ask this question as I'm flying in, why do people live here? Because you see this grid as you're coming into Southern California, especially if you're coming into LAX because the approach is much longer, you see the grid of just blocks and blocks of houses shoved together as tightly as they can. And I mean, now as you fly in, even the, the, the small hills that separate different communities are now covered in homes. There's actually communities in Southern California called bedroom communities. And these are communities that are cheaper to live in, less expensive. It's outrageous compared to our standards here in Indiana. But they're bedroom communities because people could afford to live there so they can commute to work and then come back and pay the bills and commute to work and come back and pay the bills. And I always ask this question, like, what are, what's life about that you go to work so you could pay the bill and go to work so you could pay the bill? Has anybody ever asked that question? Like, is this really what life is about? It's the big question of life that we ask. Is this, is, 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 you know, what is this life about? Or you may ask this question, is there more to life than this? You know, you, you've, you've finished a long, hard work week, and it's been a rough one, and you sit back on a Friday night or a Saturday, if you've worked, you know, Saturday, and you say, is, is this really what life is about? Dave was saying that to me this week, like, it's been a rough week, is this really what it's about? And we ask this question. And so, and so then we go searching for answers, don't we? And, we? and we try to find meaning in life. We try to figure out what, you know, what, what's going to bring me fulfillment, what's going to bring me meaning. And the world has a lot for us to offer as far as fulfillment and meaning in the world's wisdom, right? And so we say, well, happiness, obviously, is going to be meaningful to me, so I'm going to search for happiness. And we search for happiness in different ways. Or, or, or toys. I'm going to, you know, if, if I'm going to, if Tom is going to fulfill the meaning of life in the, in the world's ways. I'm going to have a, a Jay Leno-style garage filled with tons of different types of vehicles. Like from, from the 50s on through the 80s, just I can list cars and cars and cars that I would have. And this, and this would bring me meaning in life. And if you know me, I had this week, I told Joe, or last week I said, hey, maybe we should trade my car in. She goes, oh, it's that time, huh? Because I just... Cars, you know, I get bored with cars after about six months or a year. I've owned dozens and dozens and dozens of cars. And I always lose money on them. But, but we, we search for these things for, for the meaning of life, don't we? And so, and so what I want to do today is, and, and this is kind of the big picture of today, I'm going to share with you some wisdom on the meaning of life, okay? And, and here's the big picture that we're going to, my hope is that we could take home. Dorothy already preached it. But here it is. The big idea is our life can only have meaning when God is in control. You, you heard Dorothy say that, that she, she started to trust in God and believe in God. And, and her journey right now is just her saying, God, you're in control. And for us, our life can only have meaning when God's in control. So here, here's, here's what I mean by this, that we could tread through life. We could search for all the answers that the world has to offer. We could conjure up things in our mind to bring happiness and fulfillment and meaning and if we're honest with ourselves, those things will fall short. Or we can simply use the wisdom from the Bible and say, I'm going to put God in the center of my life. I'm going to allow him to be in control of my life and allow him to bring the meaning in my life that, that I'm searching for. Now, let me just say that maybe somebody's arguing with me right now saying, I know somebody who has some pretty good meaning in their life. They've, they've you know, have a great job. They make a lot of money. They give a lot of money away. They have a beautiful home. They have beautiful cars. They have a beautiful family. 
They, they found fulfillment. They found meaning in life. Maybe you can, you, you can argue that about a person you know. I don't think anybody of us, one of us can argue that about ourselves. But here would be my argument. My argument would be that I know of a guy who had everything you can list in abundance. This guy had wealth beyond measure. Gold, silver. This guy had homes, beautiful palaces, vineyards as far as the eye can see. This guy had cattle and and herds of animals and camels more than anyone would ever need. This guy had women. When this guy was done with the women he had, he had more women. Then he had more women. So everything that you would think a guy would want, he had everything. He had all the women to his disposal. He, He had political power. And he takes a look at the, towards the end of his life and he starts to reflect on everything that he's been seeking to find the meaning of life. And he comes to the point of saying, it was all trash. None of it mattered. None of it mattered. So if you have your Bible, turn to Ecclesiastes. Or if you have your app, turn to Ecclesiastes. And the guy I'm talking about is a guy named Solomon. And Solomon was this king. And he, Solomon was said to be the wisest man that ever lived on the face of this earth. So if we, if, we, if we read into the life of Solomon, we find that this guy was extremely wise. And when I go looking for answers, I always want to look for people who have wisdom. I always want to talk to people who have walked out in life what, what I'm wa- about to walk out and say, how, how do I navigate this situation? So what I'm hoping is that we can do is look at Solomon and the wisdom of Solomon and say, how do we navigate the, the, the big question of, what is life all about? Solomon was so wise. One time these two women came to him. You might have heard the story. And they brought this baby. And they're fighting saying over who's the, who's the mother of the baby. There was this like switch up that happened in the home between two babies. And they're fighting over this one baby. And they're, they're each saying, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. In Solomon's wisdom, he says, bring me a sword. We're going to cut the baby in half. Each one of you get half of the baby. Now, I would wonder if some people thought, that guy's a madman. What's, what's he thinking? Cut the baby in half. You're just going to kill the baby. But here's where his wisdom fell. His wisdom fell, and, and he knew that the true mother would rather give up the baby and see the baby live than to see that baby die. So the true mother stepped up and said, no, don't cut the She could have the baby, save the baby's life. And Solomon's wisdom knew and was able to say, this is the true mother, and he awarded the baby to the, to the true mother. He solved the problem, lickety split, because he was wise. Now, it was a bit unconventional sounding, but it, it, it caused action immediately, and, and we found the, the, uh, the mother of the baby. So this, this is the wisdom of, Saul, of Solomon. And, and like I said, Ecclesiastes is him reflecting on his life of everything he, he was searching for to find meaning in his life. And, and Solomon had everything that he could have to seek those answers. And to God at the time, Solomon was kind of a take it or leave it type of God. It was, he knew there was a God and there was, you know, there was this God for him that if, if he needed God, he could go to. And kind of, kind of like us, here, here's how I pictured it. I picture it like us that we say, oh God, I have a problem in my life. And we start searching and we say, you know, can you come fix my problem in my life? And God fixes our problem. Then when life is good, we say, okay, God, hang out there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my thing. And, you know, I'll call on you when I need you. And, and instead of making God the most vital concern in our life, and this is what Solomon did. So he goes out searching for answers to the big question of what's this life all about. And so this is what happens in, 
in the beginning of Ecclesiastes, after he's reflecting, he gives us the answer of everything that he searches for. And he says, this is what I found throughout my whole life with all my things that I had to to experience. He says, everything is meaningless. Completely meaningless. And when he says everything, he says, he means everything. He says, he says, there's nothing that this world has had to offer me that I have indulged in or I have tried that has brought meaning to my life. And then the next several chapters, almost the entire book of Ecclesiastes, he goes through and lists. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, anything that you think would bring you happiness, he addresses. So in chapter one, he says, I tried knowledge. I went after knowledge. I was seeking to be extremely smart and, and extremely wise. In, in verses five through, through seven, here's what he discovered. He says, he, he says, I saw how the sun rises and falls and then goes back around so it could rise and fall again. He discovered this cycle of the sun in his, in his quest for knowledge. He says the wind blows in from the south and then it returns north so it could blow in, in from the south again. He, he, his, he's smart enough to understand the cycle of the wind. He even says the, the rivers run into the ocean the ocean never gets full, completely full, but then the water travels back to where it started and it runs back down. You know that precipitation wasn't discovered like officially, like completely scientifically proven until like 2,500 years after Solomon. It was like in the 1500s that precipitation was like proven that this is how it works. But in his quest for knowledge, he understands precipitation. He understands the cycles of the, of, of the sun, the cycles of the wind. And, and his conclusion is that it didn't bring me, meaning in my life. It was all meaningless. It was junk. So then he, he seeks after wisdom. He says, I'm going to be very wise, in which he was. But if you read at the end of chapter 1, he says, it was meaningless. It didn't bring the fulfillment that I was looking for. So then he turns to pleasure. And this is what he says. He says, I said to myself, come, let's try some pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found this, too, to be meaningless. And this is what we do, don't we? Many of us, you know, we, we, we go looking for an experience in life that's going to bring us fulfillment. You know that 72%, I can't use this word, but it's people from the ages of 25 to 40. It starts with an M and it ends in an illennials. They, they spend most of their money on experiences than they do on stuff. We book these epic vacations. Like, this is going to be an epic vacation. It's going to be the best one in the world, and we're going to post it all over Facebook, and everybody's going to be jealous. Or we go looking for that perfect craft beer. Like, man, let's go have a beer with my friends at a pub, like a real pub. You're laughing because it's true, right? <laughs> Millennials, you guys know what I'm talking about. But you, we spend our money on experiences, and this is what, this is what Solomon said. Let, let, me go, let me go try the pleasures of this world. And he says, I'm going to try some wine. And, and you know, you know if you get enough wine or beer in you, it's going to be a good time, isn't it? I mean, there's, I, I've seen people, just a little enough, and life turns good until the buzz wears off or you make it to the toilet and you're puking in the toilet if you make it there. And Solomon comes to that same conclusion. It, it was just meaningless. It, 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 didn't, it didn't bring me what I was looking for. And so Solomon, he continues through Ecclesiastes, and he just starts listing all the different things in life that he seeks, that he says, this is going to bring meaning to my life. And he lists that he, he builds a big house and he has a big palace. He gets the fancy car. Anybody want to question that one? Here's what I think. 
he had a camel that was blinged out. Like, <laughs> I bet you Solomon's camel was awesome. Maybe he had spinners on the, on the little, like, knee joints. That's funny, huh? I just came up with that right now, Holly. If you were back there, you would see that this is not written in my manuscript. Where does it come from, this guy? We'll move on. He had gold and silver. He, he sought riches. And he says it was all meaning, meaningless. Political power. He had, he had the power. It didn't mean anything. He tried working. He says, if I work hard and I do and I build who I am as, as, as a worker, that's what's going to bring meaning in my life. And then he reflects and says, oh, but when I die, some idiot's going to come take my job and ruin everything that I did. So that's meaningless. Chapter 5, he tries religion. Maybe let me try religion. You know, religion, I was having a conversation with somebody. My, my take on religion is, is it's man's, man's way to try and measure up to God and, and find favor with God. So we set up a bunch of rules. You remember Jesus? Remember this guy, Jesus? Anybody? He, he, he was talking to these Pharisees who were religious. They followed rules. And Jesus says, no, that's not, that's not what this is about. And Solomon comes and says, no, religion doesn't do it. And so on and so on. We can, we can start listing out anything in your life that you've tried that you thought, this is going to bring meaning to my life. Relationships, work, money, drugs, alcohol, cars. Just list it. And if you're completely honest with yourself, here's what, here's what, if you're really honest with yourself, I think you would conclude that it was, ha- it was fun. It was a good time. It brought some happiness, but it really faded away. It didn't bring the, the meaning in my life that I thought I was going to bring. And that this is what Solomon's conclusion was. It was all worthless. Solomon, you ever heard that, that saying, you never see a hearse towing a U-Haul? You know Solomon coined that, that saying? He did. He said it. He, look, he said it here in, in 5.15. He says, we all come into, to the end of our lives as naked as the, and empty-handed as the day we were born. We can't take our riches with us. He said it. He just said it in his terms. So Solomon had power, he had gold, he had money, silver, he had herds of animals, he had palaces and vineyards, he had, he had like 700 wives and 300 concubines, so he had 1,000 women to his disposal, he had knowledge and wisdom, and after, after looking back and seeing all the stuff in his life, he sums it up by saying it was all meaningless, worthless. But he doesn't leave us hanging there. This is what he says in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 at the very end, verse 13. He said, that's the whole story. Now, here's my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Now, the fear God part, let me explain that. It's not don't be afraid of God. It's, it's to hold God in a high place, or high, high regards, or in the center of your life. That's what fear God is. Is that, God, you are, you are most important. You're the vi- most vital thing in my life. And in the end... It says, for this is everyone's duty. That's a bad translation. Here's what, here's what the original text says. For this is the whole of the man. The man. Or this is what makes man complete. Let me read it in a different translation. Because I love this. The conclusion of the entire sermon is heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole happiness of man. So put God in the center of your life, and that's what's going to make you happy. That's what's going to bring meaning and fulfillment in your life. That's what Solomon's saying. And that's what he concluded. So what does this mean for us? You're probably seeing that we we have it says, 
Nets and bolts, the focus on the basics. Here, here's what we're going to do for, the, for the, uh, the next several weeks of this summer. We've had conversations. Leaders in this church have had conversations with us, with, with the rest of us. And some of the conversations have revealed that some of the basic foundations of the Christian faith, we, we're confused about or we don't know or we don't understand. And so when we try to tread through life or go through life and, and, and attack issues in our life, Sometimes just the foundational truths of who we are as, as Christ followers are forgotten or not applied. And so what we realize is that we're going to spend some time this summer just to talk about some basics of Christianity. Like, like what is grace? How do I apply grace to my life and, and give grace to others? What's mercy? What's forgiveness all about? Who is the Holy Spirit? Why do we come, why is this important for us on Sunday mornings? These, these are some of the topics we're going to talk about. And this morning, the, the foundation of the Christian faith is that when you come to Jesus, you're allowing God to be the center of your life. You're actually allowing God to be God. And, and that's what, that's what we're, we want to, to talk about this morning. And that's what, that's, you know, through Solomon, he says, just let God be God in your life. That's what's going to bring meaning. That's gonna, what's going to bring fulfillment in your life. And that's the first foundational truth, that God must be the vital concern of our life. We can do this. We can, we can say, oh, I'm going to go ahead and try the, try the stuff of the world. We've tried it, right? How many of us are trying it right now? You know that your mind's wandering about the car you want or what's gonna, you know, what you think is going to bring some happiness. And, and we, can, we can burn up a, more years of our life, like Solomon did, only, here's the promise, only to look back and go, yeah, it really didn't do it for me. Or we can listen to the wisdom of a man who walked through it, a man who said, who's said to be the most wisest person that walked on the face of this earth, and, and, and listen to him saying, it doesn't work, just put God in the center of your life. And we could choose to do that. And so here's what happens when we put God in the center of our lives. For those of us that are hungry for the pleasures of this world, for those of us that are that are, are seeking, that we have this void, this desire, this hunger, this thirst in us for stuff, for fulfillment. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. If you come to me, you will never go hungry. If you're, if you're seeking something to fulfill a, a need in your life, would you try Jesus first? Would you try saying, hey, for this week, God, I'm going to, every moment that I, that I think about a need, I'm going to put you in the center of my life. I'm going to ask you, God, would you just be in control of my life right now? And would you, would you submit to, to a time of prayer, a time of worship to God, and just see what happens? Would you be willing to do that? Maybe you're trapped in addiction, and you try to, to break it, don't you? But you fail, right? Jesus says if you come to the sun and the, the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. There's freedom from addiction in Jesus. You have to come to Jesus. You have to put God in the center of your life. Hand over addiction to, to the Father. Allow him to take center stay of your life and, and bring freedom. If you're tired and you're weary, Jesus promises you rest. If, you, if you're broken, we talked about this last week a little bit, Jesus brings healing. If you want life, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And so through the Holy Spirit living in us, God living in us, because you've said yes to Jesus, you have fulfillment in your life. I was, I was working on this message this week, and my friend Frankie sent me a text. And he said, Tom, 
I think this might encourage you. And I read the text and I called him. I'm like, dude, this is my message this weekend. And so I want to read it and then this will be our conclusion. It's a John Piper quote. Here's what, here's what he, the, what's the book, Frank? Do you remember the name of the book? Seeing and Savoring Jesus. Here's what John Piper wrote. We were made to know and treasure the glory of God above all things. And when we trade that treasure for images, everything is distorted. The sun of God's glory was made to shine at the center of the solar system of our soul. And when it does, all the planets of our life are held in their proper orbit. But when the sun is displaced, everything flies apart. Go ahead and stand with me. Would you spend this next few moments as we finish in worship? And, and would you be honest with yourself and with God? Because you can lie to everybody else, but you've got to be honest with yourself and you've got to be honest with God. About, is God center of your life? It's the first foundation. You say yes to Jesus and you, and you allow God to be the center of your life. Would you spend the next few moments just asking and answering that question? God, God will confirm and you already know the answer, I think, a lot of you. If God's not the center of your life, would you commit during this time to, to allow God to take that throne of your life? Would you say, God, just I'm, I'm giving you the center of my life, and, and would you remind me when I take back the throne? We're going to finish with a song, and then we always allow for, for time for people to get prayed for or just for you to, to continue in worship. So here's how that works. Towards the end of the song, you'll see some people come excuse me, stand up here. When the song ends, when the worship ends, you'll be dismissed. If you want to stay in your seat and continue to worship, they, the band continues to play and just provides a space. Take all the time you need. If you, if you want to stay here an hour, we'll stay and wait for you, and they'll continue to play. If you want to get prayed for for anything, is it, is it physical? Is it something emotional? Are you struggling? I know there's some that, you know, we have some medical needs. Come get prayed for. Don't, don't allow this time to pass where you don't ask God to intervene in your life. And there'll be people that they're here just to love you and to pray with you and encourage you. And I say this every week. If you're done and you're just like, man, this, I've gotten my fill. I've worshiped God. Take conversations outside. That we're going to leave this space for, for, for those that want to continue in, okay? So I'll pray. God, we, we love you, Lord. God, I pray. Just am encouraged by today's worship, God. I, I, Lord, just be blessed in in our worship as a, as your family, as your body today. We did this for you. We worship you. Would your Holy Spirit come right now, and and just just speak to the hearts of everyone sitting in here, God. We we cannot be fulfilled. We cannot find meaning unless you're in the center of our lives. So. Lord, would you convict us and encourage us as we submit to you? God, would you meet each person in here in their place of need, in their place of of, of struggle, and encourage each person? And we give this to you. We do this for you. In Jesus' name, amen.